Welcome to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast, a show where we discuss what's wrong with healthcare and talk with innovative companies disrupting the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we explore strategies to help employers lower healthcare costs and build a better health plan. Now here's your host, Michael Maneri. All right, hello, this is Michael Maneri and I wanna welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today our guest is Grant Gordon from Artemis Health. Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You bet, you bet. Here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on this show is really challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to lower their healthcare costs and improve value for their employees. Sound like something you'd like to help out with? That's all I want to talk about. (laughs) All right. So let's start off with talking a little bit about your background to give us, give our audience some context about who Grant Gordon is. And actually, you you have have a really interesting entrepreneurial background. You started in, in a number of different areas before, you know, diving into healthcare analytics. So can you tell us how you got into healthcare and what you actually started in from a business standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I was born into a family where my dad was an entrepreneur. So, you know, member of the family, slave of the company, started going to trade shows for sports and play equipment when I could toddle. And um, I think at some point he was worried that he didn't have enough friends. So uh, what do you do for a kid that doesn't have enough friends? You buy him a computer, right? So (laughs) I I, uh, became obsessed with this thing and I kind of taught myself how to code and I started, <clears throat> I was one of those obnoxious kids that was building websites or homepages back in the day when I was a teenager. And then I became a real engineer and then I fell in love with design of software and systems. So I kind of traced this path from coding to designing software to architecting things. And I ended up, my last real job before Artemis Health was a VP of product. Touched all kinds of things over the years. Recently before this, that last company was in online advertising technology. So we were helping large employers recruit talent using online advertising that was automatically opt. Technologically interesting, but existentially a little bit um, unfulfilling. And uh, you know, in 2012, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And I spent a lot of time at the Huntsman Institute in Salt Lake City, which is a five-star cancer facility. And mm-hmm. if you've ever had a family member with a health crisis, you know that it kind of hits you like a ton of bricks and then it's just like, an accident in slow motion, right? Just a lot of waiting in, ho- in hospital rooms. And I was trying to distract myself and I was looking around and thinking, man, this is an amazing facility. Why is their software all so bad? And that kind of got the wheels turning. I'd never considered healthcare before, but the more I thought about it, the Affordable Care Act was making a lot of changes. Um, and when there are mm-hmm. changes, there's opportunity to kind of exacerbate that and maybe push to make better changes. So, you know, I put on my humble hat with a couple of my uh, fellow coworkers and we moved to New York. We got some healthcare-specific investors, um, Blueprint Health, that believed in us and introduced us to all kinds of folks and helped us kind of learn the lay of the land. Um, And we spent two years interviewing benefits teams once we realized that it was really benefits people who are paying for most of healthcare in the United States. That's right. And trying to understand how to help them using using their data because that was our background. So that's a little bit a little bit of my background. Okay. All right. So. Before we get into um, the Artemis, um, you know, service and product, we have a healthcare system that continues to consume more and more of our disposable income every year. And you know, in my opinion, you know, is, is making us poorer as a society because you know dollars spent on health or more dollars are being spent on healthcare that could be otherwise spent 
on other uh, productive areas in the economy. And so, you know, tell me in your words, you know, you don't come from healthcare, but you know, you, you, you now being in the business for a little while, have a perspective on it. What do you think is wrong with our, with our current healthcare system? And why do you think costs continue to increase like they do? Ah, man, where to even start? I think there's a couple of interlinked issues. One of the reasons I chose to focus on the data side of this is it became painfully obvious to me as I was talking to hospitals and doctors that they just didn't have the information they need to make good diagnoses longitudinally, right? Um, and treating things can be really challenging if you don't know what's happened across all these places and all of these EMRs are architected in such a way that uh, you know data sharing is not uh, feasible. Um, or cost effective. And I think that's just a really good example of something that ripples out through the whole ecosystem. Everyone's reluctant to share their data because they see it as a proprietary asset. So no one's coordinating effectively. And I think that's why people are pushing affordable, accountable care organizations so much because they sort of built on this principle of data sharing because you can do a much better job. Um, and I think they've seen that to be really challenging. So because it's so challenging, what you see is this ecosystem of intermediate companies popping up like uh, you know, all these data exchange companies. And that's just one of all kinds of middlemen. There's so many companies in the, the healthcare supply chain that even if you squeezed all of the efficiency out of providers, you'd still have at least another half of the inefficiency we have today left just from people taking a cut of transactions as they move through the ecosystem. And so I think when you're trying to think about fixing healthcare, getting all that data in one picture so you can figure out where the money's going and where the inefficiencies are is kind of step number one, which is why we mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a good transition into your company and, and what you guys do. So tell us about Artemis and you know what, what service you're providing and specifically what problem you're attempting to solve in the marketplace. Absolutely. So, you know, as we came in here as as new people to healthcare, um, I like to joke that I've been here for over four years now, so I've got my bachelor's. Um, but coming in like fresh faced and um, idyllic, idyllic, I was looking around and as we, we met folks who realized that, like I said before, you know, employers are really paying for a good chunk of healthcare in the United States and the government's going to do what it's going to do. We can't affect that too much. But the thing I love about employers is that um, all the incentives are aligned correctly. Um, they want people to be healthy and happy. They want to be able to recruit and retain their people. Um, so, in that sense, healthcare is like core to what they're doing. On the other hand, they're paying for it. So, <laughs> and that's coming straight out of their bottom line, which mm -hmm. means that it matters to them that it's efficient. And so if we thought about, you know, when we were thinking about different ways to push on the healthcare ecosystem, you know, we're not going to fix it by ourselves, but, you know, as one group trying to do that, we thought that if we could arm employers with the information that they needed to go put pressure on their vendors and the rest of the healthcare ecosystem, that would be a really safe way to affect change because they'll push back if they feel like you're going to harm their employees. That's proven to be true time and time again. So what we really put together was um, after two years of interviewing benefits teams, we tried to map out, hey, you know, in a in a perfect world, if you knew everything about everything, what could you even do to offer better health care at a better price for your employees? Um, and so they told us things like change copays and switch vendors and change your formulary and roll out this. And, and that's fine. Um, but they're fairly blunt tools that have sort of unpredictable outcomes. And there's so many things they could do. It's kind of hard to know what to do and how to do it. And so um, after we mapped out all those potential actions, we kind of went back over and said, okay, these are all the data sets we could get. 
And then we laid it all on the table and we said, all right, given that this is what we can get and this is what they can do, how do we build software in the middle that helps them decide of all the things they could do, what should they do? And then how do they measure whether or not the things they're doing are giving them the return that they expected? And that could maybe not be in the form of money. Lots of our customers don't care about saving money. They would rather offer more benefits to their employees so that they're happier and working harder and realize the benefits that way. And so what we built is a data platform that integrates all that data and then makes it really easy to put together that life cycle, to like instrument all the programs you have in place as an employer, think about things you're not doing that you could be doing, and then once you roll those out, kind of adding those to the pile and measuring those as well. Got it. So you you you, you call it a data platform. In in my terminology, we'd call it a you know uh, a data warehouse and reporting system. Sure. Fair. Fair. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Let me tell you why we call it a platform and not a warehouse. Okay. Good. So talk to me about what you get when you go out to the market and you're doing an RFP for a data warehouse. What do you get? What are you expecting out of the box? Well, I, I guess let's even go back further than that. Because if, if you look at, at the, the traditional reporting that you get from an insurance carrier, okay, any of the big, big guys, right? Yep. Um, or even some of the old, big legacy reporting systems, right? Okay. What, you're, what you're getting and oftentimes it's not great, but what you're getting is just what happened in the past. And you may get some indicators on utilization, uh, change in utilization from one time period to another, or change in unit cost from um, one time period to another in specific categories, inpatient, outpatient, professional services, prescription drugs. And that's really where it stops historically. It's a look back and it's, it's okay, here's what happened and here's what changed from one period to the next. Yep, that's exactly right. What you're getting is you're kind of buying this warehouse, they have the data in there, you kind of give you these like 10 to 15 reports that you've been seeing for the last 30 years. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and, and there's a reason for that because the, the technology that they're built on, it's actually hard, different kinds of reporting. Like you have to optimize the database under the hood to produce these reports in a timely way. So everyone expects that, so that's what they built the database to do, and it kind of goes round and round. What we did to build a platform was a couple of things. One, the data architecture under the hood is just much more flexible. So we're not, pre, we're not pre-aggregating anything. The, the tables aren't optimized for generating certain reports. They can re- produce anything. So that gives you a lot of flexibility at the next layer, which is we built the software that makes it really easy for us to build more value-added models. So going beyond the things that you said have been around for a long time, you know, getting really specific on what are the what are the costs you incurred that you could have done something about that were really avoidable as an employer. So to kind of cut down on that, building those models is really easy in Artemis and deploying them to all our customers is really easy. On the flip side, if you rolled out certain kinds of programs, how much you might be might you be able to save, how that might impact um, your employees' health, um, trying to kind of see that the future a little bit. Um, then taking all of those things and instead of running a report at a PDF and emailing it out once a month or once a quarter and hoping people see it and they got the right version, you know, being able to keep all that data in one place and securely share it out so that it's all properly tracked and has security access controls and all that kind of stuff. So when I call it a platform, yes, we're bringing in data just like a reporting tool, but, you know, it's much more flexible and we have this sort of these tools, a real platform to make it easy for us to add functionality in the form of apps so that 
you know, you can do more with your data in the world that makes sense to you, which is for benefits. Got it. And, and so if I were to, to repeat that um, a little bit differently, I mean, essentially you're, tr- you're trying to take the data that, you know, employers have been working with and getting these static reports and, and give them a tool to leverage it in a more powerful way, you know, to identify opportunities. Exactly right. Identify opportunities and measure the results, right? So this is a little bit of our ad tech DNA coming back. Like we did nothing unless we measured it very closely. And I think that's one of the challenges here is because there's so much friction in the data, pulling it in and like doing the work to do the ROI analyses and things can be really challenging. So once again, on that platform, we put together an app that takes all the hard work out of that. So we integrate the data for you. You can go and kind of say, I want to look at it these ways and then monitor that program going forward. So it really closes that loop. Okay. You mentioned, you just mentioned the word app. Okay. And so <laughs> most people today, right. We're, we're familiar with apps, you know, on our, mm-hmm. our, our smartphones or the iPhone yeah. or, you know, Android. And so mm-hmm. talk to me, talk to me a little bit about that, that app structure and maybe how it's different from how a user would interact to maybe a, a, a you know, a carrier reporting system or, sure. or, you know, a, a legacy, you know, um, reporting system. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we did when we were spending two years talking to benefits teams was a lot of anthropological, like user experience research. Right. And, um, that's my background. I love it. I think it's so critical because you can get all the data in the world, but if you can't use it, then it's not going to do anything for you. Um, so when you get a traditional um, data warehouse, what you're getting is a reporting tool and probably some pre-saved reports in that reporting tool. Um, so that's where you go get your utilization things and, and this and that. So you can go and you can build a report. A report is typically a table um, and kind of arrange the data in there and do what you want. And that's totally fine, a very necessary tool. And we have one of those. It's an app on the Artemis platform. Um, but there's other things you want to do, like measure ROI of a program. And normally you'd have to go in, use the reporting tool to build an extract, extract, you know, a hundred different instances of it because there's a row limit on the number of rows you can pull out, put it in SAS, run your thing, put it in Excel, visualize it, put it in a PowerPoint, show it to your boss. So what we're trying to do in Artemis is map out all of those things that a benefits team might want to do or their consulting Mm -hmm. partner might want to do with them and then build software to make it one step. So we have an app called Initiatives. Um, once you have data integrated for a certain program, putting together, um, you know, a dashboard that monitors that and does the complex statistics to measure the impact of like a wellness program using match pairs or whatever, that's a couple of clicks. Um, and so you don't have to go through all those steps, which means you can do it for all of your programs, which means you can have a much better picture. Now, the reason we call it apps is people were having a hard people. Benefits people aren't trained in data, and that's not their job. They're not supposed to be data experts. And they really identified with this idea of bite-sized pieces of software on a phone that interact with each other. And that's Mm -hmm. the exact model that we built in Artemis. So it's a pretty good good metaphor. Got it. So let me ask you for for some examples based on what you just said there. It sounds like from an app standpoint, you said you can track like initiatives. And so Mm -hmm. when you think, when when I think of initiatives, you know, it could be wellness program is a good example, but um, it could be. I mean, if you think about it, more and more employers are contracting with third-party point solutions, um, like, say, a telemedicine vendor, a second opinion service, or even a third, third-party care management vendor, right? Yep. You know, it's going to be increasingly important as employers add these different components to be able to measure, you know, performance of those. And so are you saying that your app um, would be able to 
specifically plug in some of these third-party vendors and be able to, to incorporate data and track the results? That's exactly right. Our customers have, on average, 11 programs integrated into Artemis. Some of them have as many as 40. They're paying for all these benefits, and they want to make sure that the people are getting the benefit of the benefits. And so, like I said, that could be in the form of savings. That could be in the form of you know people people's risk score lowering. They're getting healthier. Um, but the point is, you want to be able to see that. And you know, it's hard to know for any given program necessarily how you should measure it. But you know, with Artemis out of the box, when we build that integration, we come to you with a recommendation. We kind of have an out of the box app for measuring, you know, Omada or you know, pick a point solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you you guys will come to the employer with sort of a recommendation to measure, but it sounds like the employer can kind of customize, you know, how they mm-hmm. want to measure a specific initiative. If they want to measure it by participation, um, if it's diabetes care management, maybe it's you know, um, you know, blood glucose, you know. You know levels or you know admissions to you know the ER by that particular cohort, uh, but they could come to you and say, "Hey, Grant, we've got this program. This is how we want to measure it," and you guys would support them in, in doing that. That's the beautiful part of having a platform that we use ourselves. So those cockpits we put together are built using the kind of the Lego bricks of our platform, and so if the employer wants to take off the blue castle and put a, like a yellow like ship mast in there, we can do it, no problem. And I would say um, a really critical part of the ecosystem is all, also their advisors. You know, lots of times, especially for these larger employers, you know, they partner with one or two advisory firms that are in there kind of helping them think about their strategy. And so we spend a lot of time, you know, one-on-one with those teams or kind of collaborating with, with both groups, trying to make sure that everybody's in the loop and everyone's looking at the same data. You know, we have, you know, our, a lot of our clients that are self-funded, um, you know, have reporting systems and, you know, we have access to it. And so people, there's people on my team who are going into those systems and working in those systems to pull out, you know, data that we need either for underwriting or either for, you know, you know again, developing utilization reports and trying to, you know, find what's the story. Right. And, and I, I will tell you, you know, for some of these systems, it's almost like you need a PhD to be able to <laughs> learn, learn how to actually navigate it. And, it, and, it, and, and, and it's almost like a barrier to, to utilize it. Um, so, so give me some examples of, of how, what you guys have done to kind of make this user friendly to not only the employer, but their, their broker consultant partner that they're working with. Great question. So, I mean, there's a few layers to this. Just fundamentally, um, I'm a product CEO and I'm obsessed with it. And that's why I have to, I had to hire a strong sales leader to kind of offset me because that's sort of like, you know, something we have to do to keep a business to support my hobby of building a product. Um, and, and part of that is just kind of this relentless focus on user testing and kind of mm-hmm. taking back from the users who are in there. And I'll tell you, probably 50, on any given day, 50% of the use comes from consulting partners, actually, of these employer customers of ours, because a lot of times the customers don't have time to go in there themselves and they say, hey, we've got these guys on retainer or we have a project, you know, let's let's have them go do this. And so um, we built the first version of this like current iteration of the platform with a ton of feedback that we gained over this two years. But, you know, over the last year, especially, we spent a lot of time pushing out the refinement on the kinds of features we add and the kinds of interactions that are available by doing a lot of focused interviews, watching the use patterns of people in the tool, where they get frustrated, where they get stuck. And it's not to say that it's perfect. You know, it's always a work in progress. Um, no, nothing, nothing is. Nothing is. That's right. That's right. But, 
you know, continually making it better and better is very important to us. Um, a good example of the kind of things that we do are, um, you think about something as simple as just choosing which date range you'd like to analyze. When you're talking about normal data, it doesn't matter very much. But when you're talking about claims data, it actually matters a lot because what we're actually integrating for claims are paid claims, which means, you know, in the most recent month, you're not going to have all of the claims that you incurred in there. And that's kind of a hard concept, even for people who have been hearing that term their whole careers. And so we built a date range picker that actually shows each month um, and the whole history of data that we have. And it kind of boils the IBNRs, you know, the curb but not reported percentage of claims down and like all those data sets that have been loaded down to a color code and a percent safety score. And it makes, we make it really easy to just kind of like slide the window that you're analyzing into the safe green months if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and if you do know what you're doing, like, you know, go, <laughs> go to the bleeding edge. That's great. But at least you know what's going on. Um, so we try to find little things like that to really kind of smooth out those rough edges around the data. Now, inevitably, you know, any system, you know, there needs to be some, some user training, right? So, so tell me about your service model and how are you um, implementing this and rolling it out to employers with their broker consultants to make sure that they can actually utilize the tool? Because the, the value of a tool is really a function of how often it gets used, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, how, and, and how well it's used. Absolutely. So f- when we roll out a specific customer, Um, When we do the implementation kickoff meeting, one of the things we do is, of course, we're going to work with them on their goals and and with their advisor to kind of set up a calendar to make sure that they're getting value out of their data over time. But we're going to set up some training leading up to the go live so that when it's time for user acceptance testing, they've, you know, either had a few remote sessions or we've come on site. We spent, you know, a day with them to help them get up to speed kind of kick the tires they're comfortable working on their own um, so they can go in and actually test the data and then they're they're off and running so that's all included when we, we sell the product we also include ongoing hours for things like ongoing training because inevitably you won't touch it for a month you'll forget something you need some help and so we just include the slush fund of hours that's for backfilling that kind of thing or you know if you don't have if you ran out of budget for your consultant and you don't have time and you just need a story, you know, we can put that together for you. So we kind of, we try to make sure that we're plastering in the cracks on that. The other level is we've, you know, now that we've been here in the marketplace for a couple of years, we run into a lot of the same um, consulting professionals over and over. You know, Alliant has some people that we work with a few times, WTW. And so we work on the side independent of employer engagements to make sure that they're always up to date on new product features to the extent that they want training. We're giving them training to the extent that they call us and they feel like we would be a good fit for a certain client. We're giving them materials and support to make sure that they can speak intelligently. So it's really kind of a like a two-track thing. One of the, the complaints that we've, we've gotten from our, our customers on other reporting systems is, you know, slow response time, you know, timeliness of data and just, just poor customer, you know, service. And at the end of the day, you're providing a service. So, so what, what is your approach to, you know, addressing those concerns that exist with, you know, some of the reporting systems out there in the marketplace today? There's only so much you can do about the timeliness of the data, you know, depending on the data source, uh, for instance, a lot of paid claims, the databases that they come from are only updated once a month. And so we just get the data as soon as it's updated and we refresh it immediately. Um, 
you know, we're, we've built technology to do that faster with lower error rates, but there's only so much blood you can squeeze from that stone. Sure. Um, so we're doing everything we can there. On the side, we're kind of doing some business development work to try to build API integrations to go around file-based things and, and stuff like that so we can get the data more real-time, but that's neither here nor there. But I would say the bigger issue is, you know, over the years, as these legacy solutions have grown, you know, they either don't invest enough in their account management teams or, you know, they've moved on to different markets. Um, I know a lot of the warehouses have put a lot more focus on health plans because of the larger deal sizes, mostly having to do with like private equity arrangements and things like that, not necessarily due to the people over there who, by the way, have hired some of and they are great. Um, so that was a really big focus for us. We heard that feedback a lot. So we, we hired a gentleman named Alan Roy who has been at Mercer. He ran the National Data Collaborative for Willis Towers Watson. Most recently, he was at Evalent. Um, who's just a real veteran who understands, you know, the space and the relationship between employers and consultants um, and kind of put down a framework for customer success that we feel is really compelling and our customers really enjoy. And then beyond that, the kinds of people that we hire to actually be the account managers, which, by the way, we call analytic advisors, um, mm -hmm. are people who have done analytics for a long time. So people who have been, you know, consultants before, people who have worked at health plans before, people who wanted to do more for their clients in the past but didn't have the budget or the time. And so what you get when you sign up with Artemis is really an expert who can be a thought partner with your kind of the group of people that you work with and, and vendors that you work with to really support you where you are. In addition to, you know, we have all this technology built into the product to help surface insights but then you're going to want people to help you kind of filter through those and make a decision. So we're, we're there to support you to the extent that you want it there. So it sounds like, you know, you're not just providing like an account management team. It sounds like the, the, the account management, you, you call them, you know, analytic advisors, you know, they really will play more of a um, support role, if you will, in, in helping either the employer or the consulting team in, um, you know, finding the story, you know, you know, setting up reports to, to drive the, you know, the, the analytics to kind of get to, you know, what they're trying to, uh, what they're trying to get to, to get insight into rather. That's exactly right. You know, a good example is um, one of our customers, Nielsen, um, the, the data company, um, they basically outsource all of their reporting and data and strategy to, a large benefits consulting firm and you know every year they do a big meeting in the spring and so for two years running we've had a team of people at artemis working like rolling up their sleeves like side by side with this benefits consulting team just to like work through more data faster so they can have a much more compelling story and so for a similar amount of budget they're just getting a lot more out of their data we haven't talked about cost yet. So, so what is the the cost structure for an employer to to sign up with Artemis, and and are there are there implementation fees associated with that? The way we're trying to do structure the pricing is to incentivize people to integrate more data, because as you said, people are rolling out these programs more and more, and they, they need that window in there. And we talked to the market, and what we heard is that implementation was very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason why that was the case is because the data warehousing companies were trying to match the prices they charged to like the times they incurred cost, um, which makes sense. There's you know zero business reasons that that's a bad idea. We wanted to kind of 
take a little bit more risk in that. And so generally we, we charge a per employee per month fee because that's kind of how the RFPs are written and that's how we have to propose. Sure. Sure. Um, but instead of charging like tens of thousands of dollars to implement a data feed, we charge um, $2,500 or $5,000 a year just to have the data feed going continually. So you're getting like five to 10 years of updates for the same, you know, same price it would have been to implement it out, out of the gate, right? So we're taking a little bit more of that risk. We charge a little bit more in PEPM fees usually, um, mm-hmm. but blended, we're usually pretty much on par with one of the classic data warehouses. And that's by design. We want to be about the same price, but deliver substantially more value. Got it. Makes sense. You know, when, when we talk about reporting systems, we, we generally don't talk about return on investment because <laughs> his, historically, right? I, I mean, they're not meant to lower healthcare costs. They're, they're meant to provide insight into, into your data. Um, that said, I mean, can you tell us or give us any examples of how you know, your, your clients or customers have actually leveraged your platform to, to drive cost savings in their plan. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I'm really proud of is we have this fantastic gentleman here named Rance Hutchings, who's a PharmD. He was on the Department of Defense formulary committee so long he aged out. Um, and he's, you know, worked on pre-auth programs and all kinds of things. And mm-hmm. he leads a team that's put together about 4,400 models of drug substitutions. Now, these are not branded generic. Some of them just happen to be, but I think the drug companies got wise to the whole generic thing, and now their generics more expensive than brands and generics more expensive than other generics. Um, it's all pretty convoluted. So we bring in pricing information from uh, a few different places every quarter. We update these models, and you can go at a glance and see, you know, for drugs that are equipotent um, and less cost if you if all those have been substituted how much less would you have spent on pharmacy and you know we all point it at specialty and that's a big chunk but about 20 percent of our our customers overall pharmacy spend is actually just waste it's just paying too much for drugs so these are things like um taking fortimet which is an extended release metformin which is the exact same pill as metformin but it's got a candy coating on it and a laser drilled hole so you can take one a day instead of two a day and cost <laughs> something like 600x what metformin does. And, you know, it's not just the employer paying for that, it's the, the member paying for that too, right? Less crucial drugs, like maybe Ambien, you know, you swallow Ambien, it costs you 50, 60 bucks a month. If you dissolve it under your tongue so it'll hit your bloodstream five minutes faster, it'll cost you something like $1,300 a month. Same drug, same manufacturer. So kind of doing all these substitutions, our customers have found a few really easy win-wins where, you know, they call up their their PBM, they say, hey, we want to make this cost-effective drug free, and we want to tack on a little bit of an extra copay to this, or we want to put a quantity limit in place. We had one customer who, he had people, or they had people who were getting like 150 test strips, glucose test strips a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and like nobody needs 150 test strips. <laughs> strips a week. It just it doesn't make sense. So putting a little quantity limit in there, they're able to save, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars with very little effort. That's great. And so one of one of the things we talk about on this show is waste. You know, waste in provider networks, waste in, you know, the pharmacy benefit. Um, and exactly what you just mentioned, you know, two therapeutically equivalent drugs that do the exact same thing, <laughs> but are, you know, miles apart in in cost difference. And 
you know, you have them on these formularies and there's reasons that both drugs are on the formularies, right? Because, you know, depending on who your PBM is, you know, there could be a misaligned incentive for them to have the more expensive drug on there. Um, but that, that type of, um, you're not, I guess the the point I want to make is you're not always going to get that insight from the report that you're getting from your insurance carrier or your PBM. That's right. You need a third party who's not, doesn't have a horse in the race to just kind of stay up to date on that and make sure that you know what you can know about it. Okay. And so that's, that's one example where you guys are identifying waste. And so do you have other examples of, um, you know, reports that you're, you're setting up for your customers to help identify waste and opportunities that you can kind of just share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So we have an app called Action of Lower Spending, and it's just the whole purpose of it is to roll up these models that we have. So, um, you know, we have a thing like kind of blocking and tackling things like um, like in-network price variance, the kind of thing that, you know, Castlight will lean on. Um, just understanding the scope of that for shoppable procedures, that's all quantified in there. Um, looking at things like uh, avoidable ER visits, we've adapted the NYU Wagner study. It's kind of the accepted um, peer-reviewed one about which diagnosis codes shouldn't be handled in the ER. We actually done a lot of lay work cross-referencing that with studies done from the NIH and other things to figure mm-hmm. out, you know, exactly how to implement that in a in a rigorous kind of way. But then you can see, you know, which claims exactly were avoidable at the ER, and you can see if there are any patterns across people or not individual people, but demographics and offices and, and mm-hmm. departments and those kinds of things. Um, certain kinds of specialty drugs that are easier to solve than others. Um, you know, there's some some specialty drugs that are injected, and the the units are so small that you're getting that they almost seem like the syringe count of syringes. So, you know, you'll get billed for two syringes, but really you should have been billed for 1.7 milliliters of the drug or whatever. And so you end up paying like $30,000 more per prescription. Um, oh my gosh. So expensive. Yeah. Um, maybe quite, not quite that much, but quite a bit of money. Um, so just a lot of these little very specific things that we've trimmed down to just the things that you could actually take a bite out of if you tried. Got it. Got it. So actionable insights, you know, for the employer to take action, you know, w- within their benefit structure. Grant, tell me, who do you think Artemis is is a good fit for? And, and you know, who is Artemis not a good fit for? Are there any, you know, size or, 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 or limitations in, as far as, you know, uh, who's a good fit to work with Artemis? You know, I think up until this point in the history of the company, we've built, been built with a lot of input from like mid to large employers. I think our sweet spot right now is maybe 5,000 employees to like 80,000 employees, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, These employers have enough resources that they can act on the insights that we provide for them. You know, they have a lot of programs that they want to keep their thumb on. Um, They've moved beyond that, like, you know, benefits is just something we have to do or we wish we could do more, but we just don't have the resources kind of level. We do have some smaller customers. We will sign up customers as low as 1,000 employees, but we found that it's tougher for them to act on what we find um, mm-hmm. or they find. And so they don't get as much of the value as we wish they would. No, we're working on more technology to make that easier as we go. And I think we'll grow down market and we're already growing up market pretty substantially. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the range that we think about. Got it. Got it. And so, you know, being a fairly new company, um, you guys launched in 2013, correct? Yep. That's when we opened up the shop. Okay, so how many employers have have uh, you know implemented the Artemis uh, solution? 
I think we have somewhere over 300 employers on the platform at this point. Some of them are part of like portfolio deals through, you know, consulting partners or broker partners or, or mm-hmm. health plans. But, you know, we, we really try to focus on doing a best of breed employer solution and quite a few are on there. Got it. And is there any particular industry or sectors that you guys are having the most success? You know, off the top of my head, I don't know all of them. The one, and anecdotally, I've noticed was really big this year that kind of came out of nowhere was, uh, strangely, um, healthcare providers. <laughs> their benefits teams are very curious about things like who's using their own facilities versus facilities yes. that they don't own. Yep. And that can be really challenging in traditional data warehouses just because of the way the data model is built. Um, but that's something that's very easy for us to accommodate. So we won quite a few of those this year. What are some of the the obstacles that you've encountered to an employer saying yes to implementing your service? I would say the number one challenge is we just haven't been around as long as everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. they've been the same few vendors for 30 or 40 years now. I think it took a while for just kind of watching the early adopters of Artemis for some, you know, the next stage to really want to dive in. I feel like we're starting to move past that. We don't get that objection nearly as much anymore. Um, and the next biggest one is I think benefits teams are chronically under are under resourced, and so they can only really do you know two three initiatives a year, and so a lot of times you know they're thinking about trying to get an app in place that combines their programs for their members or you know they really feel like they need to do something about diabetes. So we end up competing with a lot of things that aren't really direct competition just for the the mind share and the wallet share of our customers. Um, we see that all the time. You know yep. there there are you know, there's desires and wants as far as what to do, you know, within the benefit program structure and and how to innovate. And it just becomes a, what's the biggest pain point and priority that you have to focus on. So, uh, you know, I can, I can totally validate that one. Is there anything that, you know, you're just really excited about right now in the business, any improvements or enhancements to the product uh, that uh, are in the works for the future? Oh man. I don't even know where to start with this. We got so much good stuff. The platform that's available today has really taken us a lot of good places. It was built on the two years of research before we had a product, but now we have about, you know, we launched it in like maybe fall of 2015. So we're coming up on two years here. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've had two years of feedback from real customers and we've made a lot of incremental improvements to it, but we're about to do kind of the next big version jump of the platform. And a big piece of that is, you know, we have two, like really three archetypes of users. Um, in the middle, which is what Artemis was designed for today, are people who traditionally, to your point, feel really frustrated by the, the tools that they're given for data warehouses. They feel like they don't have time to get the PhD to, to use it, but mm-hmm. they really want to get in the data. And so we've made it really easy for those kinds of people to get in there, get answers to not just their basic questions, but their even a lot of their advanced questions. We found that the, the place where we really need to focus now is on the two ends of that distribution. So you have really advanced users, like the people who want to write SaaS scripts at consulting partners, and you have the really basic users who just want to be able to log in and kind of look at some things. The next version of the platform is going to be split. We have half that we're calling Discover, that's for those basic users where they can go in. It's really easy for us to configure almost like a, a portal for their individual company. They can go and look at all the topics that we've preloaded in there. We've built for them with their consulting partners. Um, Did you just go browse and consume the data and discover things? Mm -hmm. On the other side, we're building some really cool advanced tools for our advanced users. So like one click match pairs cohorts using a variety of models so that if you want to get in there and really want to like, if you're an actuary and you care about those covariates, we got your back. Um, You don't have to write code for it. You can just do it. It's in the platform. You can put it in a visualization immediately. You can put that in a story. You can share the story with your users. So 
that's kind of the general theme that's gotten me really excited. How can people interested in uh, the Artemis uh, solution or platform learn more about the company and get in touch with you guys? You know, easiest way is just go to the website. We've got a demo video you can watch. It's three minutes long. Just take a quick look. If you fill out a form, I promise we will get back to you very quickly. Um, we're very respectful, but we'll get back to you quickly. And our, we have a great team over there who can answer any questions and, and bring in the right resources to help understand your situation and, and how Artemis could be applied to your benefit. I think uh, you guys just got word that, uh, you know, we're moving forward with uh, implementing you guys on one of our clients. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to uh, to that partnership and, and hopefully producing some good results for, for our, our now mutual client. As are we. Can't wait to roll up our sleeves and do some great work. Very good. Well, hey, Grant, on behalf of our listeners and myself, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to, to join us here. I think it's been a great dialogue and, and hopefully, you know, given some insight into our, our listeners on, you know, maybe what they're getting today and how there are different uh, solutions like your company out there that, that may enable them to leverage data in a different way. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. You bet. To our listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Artemis' website and contact information. Lastly, be sure to check out some of the free resources on our website, including links to articles and books, as well as our Health Plan Innovative Scorecard, where you can benchmark your health plan against a health plan that's designed to truly lower healthcare costs. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.